Well, we are making our way through Psalm 119. Psalm 119, we're at verse 145. There's only 176 verses. Uh, we will finish it next month. And so, if you'll turn with me, Psalm 119, starting with verse 145. I want you to listen carefully, and I want you to help pick out the passage, that the uh, thought or the theme that we're going to see in this passage. I cried with all my heart, answer me, O Lord, I will observe your statutes. I cried to you, save me and I shall keep your testimonies. I rise before dawn and cry for help. I wait for your words. My eyes anticipate the night watches that I may meditate on your word. Hear my voice according to your loving kindness. Revive me, O Lord, according to your ordinances. Those who follow after wickedness draw near. They are far from your law. You are near, O Lord, and all your commandments are truth. Of old I have known from your testimonies that you have founded them forever. What words stood out to you as I read the scripture this morning? I hope you might have noticed the word cry or cried, the word answer, the word hear, those words aren't repeated, but they kind of go with the word cried. These point us to the theme of the section. We're going to discuss wholehearted prayer today. Father, thank you for your word and for what you want to tell us. Lord, you want to hear from us. We thank you, Lord, and we love you because you do hear our cry. Help us, Lord, to be more faithful in our communication with you and our hearing from you, Lord, as we like or want or desire you to hear us. We know that you desire us to hear you as well. So, Lord, open our ears, help us to hear what you have to say to us, and ask that you would help us to become more like what you desire for us as the people of God. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it was about seven weeks ago that I challenged you to uh, pray with me through this 40 days of prayer. You know, 42 days means that you had a couple days you could have missed and you'd still be done by today. Um, so if you prayed with me that time and you were able to do every day, you would be completed by now. If not, I'd challenge you to keep going because there's a lot of good uh, reminders and challenges as we go through that. Today, as we go through this section of Psalm 119, the special focus, it seems to be, is God is wanting to put on our minds and help us to recognize the psalmist wants us to hear 
his cry to the Lord and challenge us to cry out to him as well. As I've been studying, I've been challenged as to how I should pray for our church, both as I went through this and as I went through the, this passage in Psalm 119. This section includes the word cry multiple times with other references to help us know that the focus of the section definitely is prayer. When I started studying, it became obvious very quickly that this is what the psalmist is trying to help us see. Not only is the Word of God important in our lives, but the Word of God is important in our prayer life. We see in this passage how closely connected our praying should be with the Word of God. Since the Word of God provides us with the very foundation needed to talk with God in prayer, you might have noticed that very last verse uh, that says, Of old I have known from your testimonies, that's from the Word of God, that you have founded them forever. This is a firm foundation that we have. Now as we look through the passage, I've divided it up, as I do many times. Uh, prayers cry will be the first section, the first two verses. Prayers time, the second and the next two verses, 178 and one, 148, 47 and 48. And then prayers plea in 149, and then prayers forever foundation. And we see some challenges there as well in verses 150 to 152. So as we look at prayer's cry, in verse 145, he says, I cried with all my heart. Answer me, O Lord. I will observe your statutes. He says, I cried with all my heart. This was the first challenge I received as I think through my prayer life, at times my prayers are pretty repetitive. Uh, they are not necessarily as heartfelt as they should be. And so I was challenged right off with this, I cried with all my heart. What does the Lord say about our love for Him? He says we're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength. And if we're loving God that way, then it would make sense that we would be able to pray that way as well, wouldn't it? You might remember in Jeremiah 29 verse 13, he tells us, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. God wants our heart in our prayer. He does not want us to be half-hearted or lackadaisical about our praying. He wants us to pray with all our heart. In one of the readings I read, I came across a quote from John Bunyan. It said, in prayer, it is better to have a heart without words than words without a heart. God wants our heart first. And the Spirit can interpret what we pray. He tells us in Romans 8 that we can pray and He will utter words. He will 
take the utterances of our hearts, those groanings, and He'll make them into prayers. John Calvin said the verb cry here conveys the idea of earnestness, referring as it does not so much to the loudness of the voice as to the vehemency and ardor of the mind. God wants our prayer to be with all our heart. And then he says, answer me. The cry of the heart that prays wholeheartedly is, Lord, please give me an answer. The passage that Luke read starts out with that very phrase. He says, I love the Lord because He hears my voice and my supplication. He has inclined His ear to me. Therefore, I call upon Him as long as I live. Part of our motivation for crying out to the Lord with all our heart is that we know He hears us and He will answer us. But the psalmist prays, answer me, Lord, answer me. If we're praying wholeheartedly, Jesus says if we'll pray in His name, every, whatever we've prayed, God will give us. And then he says, I cried to you in verse 146, save me and I shall keep your testimonies. Save me. One of the most uh, memorable stories where this save me prayer is prayed, at least when I was growing up, the story of Peter walking on the water. And he's walking on the water because he said, Lord, come if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. And Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, came toward Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. We're told this is one of the shortest prayers in the Bible. Lord, save me. He didn't, he didn't uh, spend a lot of time coming into the Lord's presence. He didn't, you know... Uh, Lord, I glorify your name and I, you know, magnify. Thank you for creating all. No, he said, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. Sometimes we just got to get down to the business at hand. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and took a hold of him and said to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? The psalmist says, save me. Spurgeon in his notes Noted, save me from the dangers which surround me, from the enemies that pursue me, from temptations which beset me, from sins which accuse me. It's not just save me from, as in David's case when he's running from Saul, save me from Saul, but sometimes it's save me from myself. Because... We're told that we're tempted when we're drawn away of our own lusts and entice. And so a prayer, a wholehearted prayer can be, Lord, save me. I cannot do this apart from your strength. Lord, save me. What's the result? What's the result of prayer in this setting? He says in, in verse 145, I will observe your statutes. Verse 46, I shall keep your 
testimonies. He's not, and, and some of the commentators go back and forth. Some say, well, he's bargaining with God. He's saying, God, I'll, if you'll do this for me, I'll do that. You know, I'll, I'll keep your commandments. But more, it appears he's saying, since you're going to, I need you to do this so that I am able to keep your commandments. It's as you save me, as you answer me, I then have the strength. You actually need to give me the strength to be able to observe and to obey and to keep your statutes. Again, Spurgeon noted on the keeping your testimonies or keeping your words, uh, keeping your testimonies, this was his great object in desiring salvation, that he might be able to continue in a blameless life of obedience to God, that he might be able to believe the witness of God and also to become himself a witness for God. Our prayer life should be asking God to make the changes needed in us so that we can be the testimony to our community, so that we can serve one another like we should serve one another. God wants to do a work in our lives to be able to accomplish this very result in us. So prayer's cry is, Lord, save me, answer me. I cried to you with all my heart. Prayer's time. Notice he says in verse 147, I rise before dawn and cry for help. There's that word cry again. But when does he cry for help? Even before his day gets started. Lord, I need your help. I need it today. This is the day that I need you. And I rise before dawn. So he starts. How did Jesus start his day many times? Mark chapter 1, verse 35 says, In the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went away to a secluded, secluded place, and was praying there. Do you start your day with prayer? We need to. Maybe it's even before we get out of it that we're making our cry known to the Lord. We're making our plea made uh, known to the Lord in the morning. He says, before dawn, I cry for help. Psalm chapter 5, verse 3, he says, In the morning, O Lord, you will hear my voice. In the morning, I will order my prayer to you and eagerly watch. And what is, the, what is the, uh, that uh, parallel phrase? I wait for your words. So when he calls on him in the morning, he's also waiting to hear from God. It's not just a matter of him speaking to God and saying, God, I need this, God, I need that, but I wait for your words. I think the, new, the ESV uses the word hope, a hope for. I want, it is my confidence that you are going to answer my prayer, so I bring my request to you early in the morning, and I wait for you. I expectantly wait to hear or to see 
what you're going to accomplish in me. This week in the uh, prayer guide, the, the prayer on day 37, I put an asterisk by it, says, Jesus, I'm realizing more and more that you are the main player in the revitalizing effort our church so desperately needs. We are merely your servants, and we like it that way. Luke preached just a few weeks ago about how a servant is looking for the instructions from his master. We're to be his servants. Do we like it that way? Keep empowering us to faithfully love you with all our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength, while we pursue knowing you and obeying you. Please provide your clear direction in our journey of revitalization. We are in this for the long haul, Jesus, wait, willing to wait for you to put all the pieces together for your glory. Make your name great, we pleadingly request in your great name. Amen. Just challenge me with the idea of sometimes we want to see results of changes that we make right away. But God wants to make a change in us. And he wants to work in us. And he wants to accomplish his purpose as we come to him in the morning. But not only does he say he comes to him in the morning before dawn, but he also says, my eyes anticipate the night watches. I'm working through the day and I'm anticipating the fact that night is coming and I get to spend some time meditating on your word. That's what he says. I anticipate the night watches that I may meditate on your word. He wants to see. And the, the, the watches, the Jewish people basically divided the night into three parts. From sunset to uh, uh, later in the, I mean, I, a little before midnight, I think it was, and then the part that included midnight, the mid part of the night, and then the early morning. So let's say from 6 o'clock to 10 o'clock, and then from 10 o'clock to 2 o'clock, and then from 2 o'clock to, to sunrise. The Romans and the Greeks, they divided into four watches. So you had the time from... 6 to 9, 9 to 12, 12 to 3, and 3 to 6 in the way that we would keep time. But he says, I anticipate them. Some of the writers say, I anticipate the night watches even so that I wake up before the night watchman calls out that it's the third hour and all's well, or it's the sixth hour and all's well. I anticipate the watches so much that I'm awake and I'm meditating on God's Word even throughout the night. So different ones are pushing, uh, looking at different aspects of this. But I can see it as being, I cry to you in the morning, and I'm thinking of you. I think uh, Warren Wiersbe kind of said, it's like keeping the phone off the hook all day long so that I can call and talk to you anytime I want, but then I'm looking for that time when I can have communion with you in the evening. Psalm, uh, Psalm 63, verse 6, When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. God wants our thoughts to be on Him. And so when we make it 
through the evening, we can know that we need to give him our attention. Not, when we, not just when we get up, but when we go to bed. It should be something that is part of our practice. We're thinking about who God is. We are crying to him with all our hearts. Verse 149. Hear my voice according to your loving kindness. Revive me, O Lord, according to your ordinances. When he says, hear me by your loving kindness, what is it he's trying to help us see or feel? The thing that we want to understand is when I pray to God, when I cry out to God with all my heart, many times the things I cry for and pray for are things I don't deserve. You know, people say, well, he didn't deserve that or he didn't deserve this. Well, actually, in many cases, what we receive, we deserve, and we deserve even worse than what occurs. But here he says, Lord, hear me. Hear my voice according to your loving kindness, your mercy. It is the word that helps us understand. Lord, don't give me what it is I deserve, but give me out of your mercy. Give me out of your grace. Don't answer me according to what I deserve. In uh, Psalm 85, verse 9, Surely His salvation is near to those who fear Him, that glory may dwell in our land. Loving kindness and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Truth springs from the earth and righteousness looks down from heaven. But here he says, God takes loving kindness and he takes truth and he puts them together so that truth doesn't destroy me. Don't answer according to what I deserve. John Calvin said, whatever blessings the saints may plead for in prayer, their opening argument must be the free and unmerited grace of God. When we come to God, it has to be based on His mercy and His grace, not on what we deserve. When, uh, and Spurgeon said it this way, when God hears prayer according to His loving kindness, He overlooks all the imperfections of prayer, He forgets the sinfulness of the offerer, and in pitying love He grants the desire, though the suppliant be unworthy. The person who's making supplication is not worthy, but he grants the desire anyway. And then the last part, he says, revive me, O Lord, according to your ordinances. Throughout the scripture, God has said what he wants to do for his people. He wants to revive us. He wants to give us life. And so the psalmist is saying, Lord, even though I don't deserve it, give me life. Revive me. We've seen revive throughout. We, we looked at it way back at the early part of our study of, of Psalm 119, we talked about how Christ brought Lazarus out of the grave. And in the same way, we have no power to be made alive. It's only as He chooses to do that for us. Warren Wiersbe in his commentary says, this verse combines both love and law. If we love the Lord, we will keep His commandments. Too often we think of prayer as an emergency measure 
rushing into God's presence and crying for help. But what would you think of children who spoke to their parents only when they needed something? Prayer is more than asking. Prayer is loving. If we love the Word of God, we must also love the God of the Word and express that love to Him. So we have the Word of God that we've been studying how important the Word of God is, which helps us know the God of the Word. And he says what this passage is pushing us to is we cannot neglect our communication, our communion with that God of love. We need to be not only hearing from Him, reading His Word, but we need to be pouring out our hearts to Him as well. To tell Him we love Him only because we want to receive something is to practice prayer on a juvenile level. When we share our love with the Lord, we receive new life from Him. <coughs> this last section, verse 150 to 153, focused down on 150, 152, I mean. Of old, I have known your testimonies that, they, that you have founded them forever. But when we look at a foundation, what is the things that we have to deal with? Sometimes there are things that are going to try to keep us from. And so verse 150 says, Those who follow after wickedness draw near. They are far from your law. It appears that the psalmist is talking about some physical danger that he's in. But there's also, as we look at the Scripture, when the wicked draw near they may be bringing with them temptation. They may be bringing with them deception that they want to draw us away from, from our relationship with the Lord. And he says, these draw near. One of the stories you would think of, or you might think of, is the story of Nehemiah. When he's getting ready to build the walls and the enemies keep coming, trying to discourage the people from building the walls. And then they were even threatened with attack. What was Nehemiah's defense? He said, nevertheless, we made our prayer to our God, and because of them, the enemy, we set a watch against them day and night. That's Nehemiah 4.9. Jesus, Paul, and Peter commanded God's people to watch and pray, to be on guard and pray with intelligence and alertness. We are soldiers in a battle, and we dare not go to sleep while on duty. Again, that was from the Wearsby commentary. These enemies may bring deception. They may bring persecution. They may bring, but he says, the enemy draws near. But the next verse is such an encouragement because it says, the Lord is near. They may draw near, but the Lord already is here. He's around us. He's protecting us. He's here for us. The Lord is near. You are near, O Lord, and all your commandments are truth. It's wonderful to know that the Lord is present. The Lord's presence is one of the things that He gives us in answer to prayer. We need to recognize that presence and communicate with Him. Matthew 28 says, verse 20, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. 
Isn't that a great promise that we have as we look to God in prayer? He says He's given us all power as we seek to share the words. He wants to make us a testimony. And we have the confidence that His commandments are truth. His commandments are truth. And then in verse 52, His testimonies are founded forever. Of old I have known from your testimonies that you have founded them forever. Jesus said it this way, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Luke 21, 33. And when we started back up in Psalm 119 for our second half, the very first verse we looked at was verse 89, forever, O Lord. Your word is settled in heaven. God didn't give us His word just for a short period of time, just for a little bit of time, but it says it's founded forever. And so our prayer is based on a forever word. When we go to God, we can say, God, you said in your word, and because you said it in your word, I believe you'll do it. We have, can have confidence that He will accomplish exactly what he has said in his word. Our wholehearted prayers are to be based on his word that has been founded forever. So the question is, how is your prayer life? I know that this is an area that I've constantly struggled with saying, Lord, teach me to pray. I'm I don't feel like I'm where I need to be in my communion with you. Are you able to say that you pray with your whole heart? Are you wholehearted in your praying? Whether you're praying for the health of one of our church members, the spiritual condition of one of our church members or church members' families, do you pray with your whole heart? Are you praying before dawn? And do you anticipate meditation on God's Word and praying as you go to bed at night? Is that how you look at God's Word? Is that how you are praying? Is it a true comfort to you that the Lord is near? I can know the Lord is near. He says it. Are you wanting this to be true in your life? There's some of you that are listening don't know the Lord Jesus as your Savior. You can't experience the Lord being near. You can't experience what God wants to do in your life apart from having Him as your Lord and Savior. He invites you to a relationship with Him that allows Him to know you and you to know Him and for Him to be near you. I'd like to uh, challenge you also the prayer guide. If you, didn't, if you didn't make it through the first time, I'm going to start again on Monday. I'm going to go through it at least one more time. And if, if you're partway through, just go ahead and keep going and finish it. If you made it through and you'd like to join me again, start again on Monday. And we will. The reason it's real easy to start on Monday, that way everything on the Sundays is divisible by seven, so I can keep up with where I'm at. So if you want to pray with me again through this, 
I'd love to have you do that. We need to be praying for God to do a special work in our individual lives and in the life of our community, of our church life and our community. The uh, prayer on Friday, which was the day 40 prayer, I'd like to close with it. Dear Jesus, I will never get over the fact that you took my place on the cross and paid for my sins in full with your own precious blood. Thank you. I surrender, I renew my surrender to you today. This moment I am yours to be used in whatever way you desire in order to bring about a complete revitalization in our church family. Please stir us, stir in us the passionate zeal of the young David when he overheard Goliath's taunting challenge to the armies of Israel. Transform us through broken-hearted prayer and fasting like that of Nehemiah and Hannah. Shape us into bold, fearless messengers of truth like Esther, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And give us a heart for the untouched, unreached, and unsaved world like the Apostle Paul. Jesus, if you don't come through, we're finished. But today I believe with you all things are possible. So please work your miraculous work of revitalization in me and in my church. I ask in your everlasting name and for your eternal glory. And Father, we ask that you would help us to be men and women of prayer. People who pray wholeheartedly with our hearts in tune with your word so that we can pray in accordance with your will and we'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name.